The Hawks have reached the All-Star break, the unofficial halfway point of the NBA season. Welcome back to The Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the beat reporter here at the AJC. And yeah, the Hawks have made it to the unofficial halfway point. And let's just say some of the results that we've saw over the last couple of days have been lackluster. Of course, I've got Daniel Salerson here with me, my trusty handy dandy producer to chat all things Hawks. And we'll get into what we saw on Wednesday night when they faced the Hornets. And we'll talk a little bit too about what we heard from Landry Fields on Friday following last week's trade deadline. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada, You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Hawks Report, everyone. If you're joining us for the first time, please make sure to like, rate, subscribe, and keep showing us your support. We're really grateful of you guys, but we're one week away uh, officially from when the Hawks did not do anything at the trade deadline. We had Michael Cunningham on the show last week to talk about that. But following that, we heard from general manager Landry Fields, and he kind of gave us some, or maybe not so much, insight into what the Hawks, or why the Hawks rather, did not do anything at the trade deadline. And it unfortunately, did not necessarily do anything to reassure anybody about some of the lack of movement that happened. But I think one of the biggest things that he wanted to highlight was that the team did not want to do any moves to affect them long term. So even though in the Hawks front office mind, any moves at the trade deadline may have had an impact on the team, in the short term, the the team was thinking further ahead. So, Daniel, did you get a chance to kind of catch up and and see what this team had as far as an explanation for the lack of movement at the trade deadline? Yeah, I'm going to put it nicely, kind of like what happened at the trade deadline. I learned nothing from a team that did nothing at the trade deadline. And it's just it just is what it is. Um Again, I uh, was listening, obviously, to you and Michael talk about the trade deadline last week. I think you both made some very good points about the direction of this team. I think there really is no direction of this team right now, and it's really hard to figure that out and really learn a lot based on what Landry said. Like, what are we measuring the the rest of the year? You know, what what are we gonna, you know, what are we looking for? Again, there's we're. 25 games left into the season after the All-Star break. Not a lot of time. And this team, after two really, 
I would say pretty tough losses. That's putting it nicely against the Bulls and the Hornets. It, it just looks like this this season is not going anywhere. You may get the 10th spot. You may not. Um, and then what happens after that? You didn't make a move. I thought if you are going to make a move, you are going to make one for long term, whether it's you're going to put yourself in position to maybe add a bigger piece in the offseason. You're going to put yourself in position to acquire some draft picks so that maybe you can add a piece. Or, again, just do anything to maybe build yourself for the offseason because I think this is going to be a really important offseason for this Atlanta Hawks team to try to figure out what they're going to do, what they're going to do with DeJounte Murray, if there's anything going to go down with Trey Young. There's just a lot of um, questions that were not answered on Friday, and I just think with the lack of answers, it really just puts the fan base in a, in a tough spot because it's like, what what do we have to look forward to? And the way they ended the unofficial first half with that loss to Charlotte, I mean, there is absolutely zero momentum heading mm-hmm. into the All-Star break. Yeah, it's interesting that they've had four games since the trade deadline, and they're 2-2 two and two in those four games, two wins over the new-look 76ers who were – Without Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, they had a win over the Rockets, who, for the most part, looked the same, minus, you know, obviously they traded for Steven Adams, but since he's hurt, he wasn't in that game. And and they were also without Alperen Shingun, um, a big piece of that team. And then they had two losses against, again, similar thing, similar situations where they faced a team that essentially didn't do anything at the trade deadline, or actually not even essentially, I think the Bulls were one of the five teams that stood pat at the trade deadline. And then they faced the Charlotte Hornets, who did a lot of work at the trade deadline. So it's an, it's it's funny that, again, it's, it's weird how there's some symmetry where they're facing, you know, teams that kind of were on similar, I wouldn't say necessarily trajectories, but just similar circumstances. Either it's like minimal moves or no moves, and then a ton of moves. So... I think we got to kind of see that or reaffirm that this team is what it is. And in continuing to try to have the same thing or the same roster and expect different results every time, it just, they have to, they have to make something big happen in the summer. It just emphasizes so much more how much work they have to do in the off season and, and as a team that, you know, seems to highlight how much they want to become a championship caliber team that is a championship caliber team for the long term or as long as can be, it doesn't feel as though they're totally laying the foundation as they they suggest because they've talked about internal development. Well, uh, when you hear something like internal development, that to me signals the dreaded T word. <laughs> and and that's something that Landry Fields in his press conference with media last Friday said that he had no interest in. And, and that's fine. But if, again, internal, internal development is something that is a big part of this franchise, then that should mean that we're seeing, you know, a few more minutes from some of those young teams. And maybe this is what's highlighting a disconnect between what the front office is trying to accomplish and maybe what the roster is trying to accomplish. Because from all accounts, it seems the roster is trying to win now. And based on 
how Quinn Snyder runs the games and the game plans. You know, you have guys like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray playing significant minutes, but the front office is also extending guys like them. It's hard to see how internal development can be a focus with a win now team. Uh, And that's not to say development shouldn't be a part of the mix because guys should always be working on their craft and looking for ways to improve but it just seems like there's a disconnect between the two messages about internal development but then wanting to see results so I think the one thing that maybe when you go back and listen to kind of what Landry feels talked about is you know maybe he has been consistent with his messaging as far as them not necessarily looking to how do I phrase this? Um, maybe there's some consistency as far as, you know, if they make the playoffs and, they, and they're and comp- they a competing team, then that's great. But that may not necessarily be the priority. I think that's kind of been consistent from media day up until, you know, his most recent um, media availability. But when you have guys like Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, those are guys that are looking to compete now so it shouldn't be a well we'll see where we end up sort of situation you know that's kind of where I'm seeing the disconnect and you know that's Quinn Snyder is a guy that is gonna coach a team that's trying to win now you know and he'll admit that there are you know habits that they're trying to solidify and and build a foundation on but he's looking for a team that's going to compete and he's looking to con- coach a team that's willing to compete yeah a couple points on that before we take a break my, my thing is i think the messaging it seemed like to me at the beginning of the year was we didn't really do a lot in the offseason because we thought this team you know fresh off of you know a pretty solid series against the boston celtics can run it back and improve with a quinn snyder you know full training camp all that that really just to me at least that's what i got that doesn't really seem to be the case and you going back to the t-word Look, you're not in a position where you're one piece away from being at the top of the Eastern Conference. You're not. But you're also not bad enough to look forward to a top five draft pick in next year's draft. So where are you? You're in the land of mediocrity right now. And with no plan, where do you go from there? And so going back to your point of playing some young pieces, and I don't think Quinn Snyder's in that mode yet as far as the T word and challenging some of the young guys play more minutes but like i want to see what kobe buffkin can do i i'd rather just see again not start him not play him 40 minutes a night but give him some minutes just to see what he what he's capable of give him some time to play some nba minutes and you might as well get a head start on him just to see i know he's been playing in the g league a lot i know he's been around the team a lot but for me this is your chance to see what you got especially also i know aj griffin's been riddled with personal matters illness injuries you name it want to see a little bit more from what A.J. Griffin can do, at least so that when his last 25 games, we have something to watch for, because right now I feel like there's not a lot to watch for, at least with teams that, you know, are maybe tanking or sorry, I said the T word didn't mean to. I'll be fine. I'll pay the bill. Those teams, you you know, you're like, all right, let's see what we got in some of these guys that we can figure out who we're going to build around with with a number one draft pick. But we you just again, you're not at that point yet with the Hawks. And again, you just haven't heard enough from the front office to feel for me feel good about the direction this team's headed because you 
you really don't know what's going to happen this offseason. You're right. Quinn Snyder does not take this job to go through a rebuild or trade everyone and start over. He took this to take over a team to potentially help them get to the next step. And I know it's still now probably a full year for Quinn since he came at the All-Star break. But at the same time, I think they're obviously they're preaching patience and I'm getting tired of the word patience and maybe there should be a little bit more patience from me. But to me, that patience is wearing thin. I think part of the thing with patience is that, you know, this is a results driven league. And I think where just like you fans patience are wearing thin is that you're consistently seeing the same issues pop up. It's not a matter. And it's not one person, one thing, you know, it's overall. And we'll talk about this a little bit more after we take a break. But one of the big things that when you watched that Charlotte Hornets game on Wednesday night, and after talking to guys in the locker room and Quinn Snyder after the game, the word of collective (laughs) kept coming up. And that's part of what's been this team's issue from who like for, for the last couple of years, they don't play collectively consistently. And when you do see them play collectively, obviously good things happen. And when they don't, you're, you see the same results. And so maybe part of what the front office needs to do is, is finding what, it, it or who it is that they want to build around and finding the right personalities that will mesh together, that have enough talent, because I, at the end of the day, you need talent on a roster to, to get results. But it's a mixture of finding the right personalities and the right talent and, and compiling a solid roster right there. Because when you think about this team you know you could see that they clearly like being around each other but they can't find that thing that allows them to play as a unit consistently and I can't I don't know about you pinpoint what exactly it is that's holding them back from doing that yeah and real quickly I think one of the things that stuck out to me from hearing Quinn Snyder last night was he called out the effort of the team last night and Again, I know last game of the, before the All-Star break, teams tend to do that, just kind of thinking ahead to their break. But Charlotte has 13 wins on the year, and two of them have come against the Atlanta Hawks. And when you felt at least pretty good about how they were entering the trade deadline as far as their results, they were starting to string some wins together. You thought, all right, you know, you take this Bulls and Hornets game going into the playoffs, one, you could be sitting in ninth because Chicago lost on Wednesday night. You could be at least tied for them for ninth again. We're talking about the play in whatever, but at least you're you're showing some progress. But you botch that game in Atlanta, and then you come with a no show against one of the worst teams in the league. Their first double digit win of the year for Charlotte comes at the hands of the Atlanta Hawks. So I think the fact that you you know they may be playing collectively, but collectively they lacked effort <laughs> against Charlotte, and was a big reason why they lost by so much. So I think that was the biggest frustrating thing to kind of end the first half of the season is just how things ended on Wednesday night. Yeah. And Daniel and I will get into that Charlotte Hornets game a little bit more. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta journal constitution. 
ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the AJC. So, Daniel, you touched on it quite a bit before the break, but Quinn Snyder called out the lack of collective effort among this group. And what's interesting is when you watch that first quarter, it was there. And then you get into the second quarter and the Hornets just start picking up the effort. Again, they're playing as a collective unit. (laughs) Um, You have guys like Trey Mann and Brandon Miller just absolutely torching them. But what it was is that they were also, you know, they were making the right passes. They were finding the right looks and they kept the Hawks basically chasing them the entire quarter. And that's how they kind of started to create that separation a little bit because there was a sort of flip-flop as far as points allowed in that game. So if you look at the first quarter, the Hawks outscored the Hornets 31-29, and then Charlotte came back and outscored the Hawks 32-24. And so again, it was just kind of, they, they were just making the right looks, making the right moves. They had nine assists to the Hawks threes and they shot 57% from the floor. And and that's part of what, when you think about a team that plays together, um, they were making a lot of plays for each other. And I think that was one of the big things that you didn't see from the Hawks all throughout the night on Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. It also didn't help. You start off five for 25 from three. You struggled from three all night, shooting 24%. They shot 41% from three. Maybe it's the power of Grant Williams ever since being traded from (laughs) Dallas. Charlotte's won three in a row. Who would have thought that? Adding Seth Curry, maybe, you know, his dad's a broadcaster there. Maybe there's some good vibes heading that way for Charlotte. Brandon Miller, you're starting to see why Charlotte drafted him so early. He's playing really good basketball. They're, They're a young team with really not a lot to lose right now. They've already lost plenty. So for them, this just going out there and again, half the battle sometimes is the effort. And I don't know if the team at halftime decided to start booking their flights for where they're going for the all-star break, but that's what it kind of seemed like is after halftime, they're like, all right, well, that's that. We're just going to go out there and see what happens here. But again, it, there's just really no excuse for it. I don't care if it's a game for the all-star break, have a little pride. You have 48 more minutes before you can go do whatever you want for a week or four days, whatever. For a team that's struggled so much to be consistent, you talk about flip-flop, I would call it snip-snap, how they were last <laughs> night. You just, you're just tired of seeing it. And um, yeah. it's just, again, it just boils over. It's just frustrating to, to try to watch this. Yeah, that's been a big thing for this team. When you look at, you know, their 50 or so games this season that they've probably only had, what, about 
four or five blowout losses in the 50 or so games that they've played so far. So we've seen them compete plenty with a lot of their games going down to the wire, them being in clutch situations. And unfortunately for them, part of what has been their issues is that they couldn't close <laughs> when you think about it, where they'd get into games in clutch situations, games that, you know, in the last five minutes are decide are within a margin of, you know, five or fewer points. They've had a lot of clutch games this season. And part of their, like I said, their issue is just not being able to close. And whether that's late game execution, particularly on the defensive end, you know, like I said, there's just a myriad of things that you can point to with this team that just has not gone well. And I think a lot of people just had higher expectations that they have not unfortunately lived up to. When you look at the Hawks' win percentage in clutch situations, they're they're still, you know, they're they're twenty first. Um, they're sixteen and nineteen in clutch situations, and so it's. They've been a they've been a competitive team. I think that we can say that this hot surely the record is not great <laughs> overall, but they have been a competitive team, except for, as I mentioned, about five or so eggs that they laid uh this year. Yeah, that's fair. And um they have been competitive in most of their games. I think it's just frustrating that, you know, sixteen, nineteen the clutch means you're you're getting down to the wire and just not able to close. And when you have Two guys in Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, I think that's why you you made the move that you did to get DeJounte is you had two options there to to close games out. And of course, we've seen Trey do amazing things to close out games, buzzer beaters to win. And we saw what DeJounte Murray was capable of doing, too. And, you know, it's just it's just crazy to think that those two really haven't worked out so well together. And that's why the rumors started floating around with DeJounte during the trade deadline and are still going to float around. I mean, this is the next. John Collins, unfortunately, I feel like is DeJounte's name is going to be trickling through the the trade rumors all the way through this offseason. And if he doesn't get traded again, it's going to be next trade deadline. And so I don't know. It, it's I'm glad we're picking out some your glass half full kind of stats there, which is, you know, which is good. Um, but again, I want to see some results maybe. And, and, you know, we'll talk before next week when they started again on Friday against Toronto, but a three game homestand to open up the unofficial second half of the season. Let's see how they respond to this break and if there is any quote-unquote momentum heading into a, a potential postseason push as far as a play-in spot. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, the the big thing, and it's, yeah, you want to see results, and it's just, ra- again, it's rather unfortunate that the Hawks could have made something that would have, you know, last year it was the moving on from Nate McMillan that quote unquote lit a fire under their butt. And perhaps the trade deadline could have been what lit a fire under this rosters. But, you know, obviously you don't want to need a fire to be lit for results to happen. But clearly this team needs some other external motivating factors that they can't seem to provide each other internally. And yeah, I I think that nothing is good as we know nothing is given in the nba and there's just a lot of factors that could maybe still force the hawks i mean they're only two and a half games ahead of the nets and you know they still have two games against the nets later this season so you definitely want to see them right the ship before they're not even 
in the play-in anymore. <laughs> I know. Is it going to be frustrating? Like if they stay in this mode and then go in the play-in, it's like here we go again, and then maybe they, you know, win two games and then they get a playoff series. It's just like, oh my goodness. It's just I just don't want to go through that again. It's just yeah. But it, I'm not one of those that says I'd rather not make the playoffs than make the playoffs. I think there's always mm-hmm. some positive you can take away from making the playoffs, whether it's mm-hmm. a player getting the experience they need or mm-hmm. just any type of benefit for seeing your team in the playoffs. So I'm not going to sit here and go, I don't want them to make the playoffs because if the people if people out there are still saying, why don't they tank or again, why don't they lose? You're too far ahead of the game now to even come close to any of those teams for a potentially top three pick. There's teams still that don't have double digit wins. So you're not getting to that bottom there unless you go on a significant nosedive through these last 25 games. So if you're going to finish these 25 games, you might as well finish them strong and see what you can do and maybe end the season on a positive note. But only time will tell. And hopefully this this week will be a good chance for them to get away. And we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think the one positive takeaway we can take from right this second is they are on a break. They can address their injury concerns. They can get healthy again. Um, you know, fortunately for them, Onyeko Kongu would, was supposed to be is supposed to be evaluated in about seven to ten days after a left toe, big toe sprain. Um, Clint Capella had been progressing well through his rehabilitation process for a left adductor strain. You know, Wesley Matthews and uh, AJ Griffin can be away from the team so they can recover from whatever illness has been circulating throughout this organization. You know, Mulgay, I know he hasn't played a ton and you're not necessarily expecting him to be an X factor if he comes back from injury this season. But again, you know, there's a potential that he could, you know, find some, some health, uh, you know, get healthy and maybe come in and, be able to get a little bit of experience um, before the regular season ends. So, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, the Hawks will, one, you know, take that break that's certainly well needed. They had a really hard schedule to open um, the first unofficial half of this season. And hopefully, you know, they can come back healthy, brighter, more energized and ready to close out these last few games. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully this is a nice little break. Looking forward to seeing uh, Trey do some all-star festivities. And other than that, Lauren, I uh, hope you enjoy a well-deserved break. Um, I'm sure you're looking forward to this time already. So um, enjoy and looking forward to your coverage and doing this podcast for the remainder of the season. Absolutely. And thank you guys all for continuing to stick with us. And we'll be back Next week, just like always, I'm Lauren Williams, of course, joined by trusty handy dandy producer Daniel Salerson. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.